Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Allow me and welcome to episode 101 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. <laughs> it actually feels really good to say episode 101. <laughs> I want to start off today by saying a massive thank you to everyone that sent us a congratulatory message on reaching 100 episodes. Thank you so much. I receive it with love and with gratitude, and I look forward to many, many, many more episodes of the podcast. I'm truly grateful to you for tuning in week in, week out, for sharing the podcast with friends, with family, and even leaving us ratings and reviews on your different podcast platforms. I'm grateful to you and grateful to God for the opportunity, which I do not in any way take for granted. So welcome to today's episode where I'm going to be teaching on meditation and how this is probably the missing link for a lot of Christians in terms of being able to transfer the promises that they read on the pages of the Bible from being just words into their actual experiences. And I say this because for many, 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 many years, even though I was around the things of God, I loved the word of God. I was a prayer warrior, quote and unquote, <laughs> but there were certain things that I'm like, Elga, I'm reading these things in the Bible, but <laughs> where is the expression in my life? And the missing link was I read in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, where God said to Joshua, listen, you have very big shoes to fill. Moses is gone in order for you to lead these people. I'm telling you now what you need to do is to meditate 
on the law or on my word day and night, then you will observe to them. God went on to tell him different things. And he said, the key is meditation. In Psalm 1, he says that the key is meditation. And in different places in the Bible, the Bible also says in Romans 12 to be transformed how by the renewing of your mind and meditation is the key to the renewal of the mind. So I sort of knew all this because I'm like, okay, fine. I understand God. You're saying I should meditate now. Okay. The question now is how do I meditate? I don't know how. And I would search and search and search and ask people and a lot of people that I was asking seemed just as clueless as I was. I honestly genuinely did not know what it meant to meditate. And I know that my story is not peculiar. There's so many people that I've spoken to over the years now, since I started my coaching business, etc. that when I might talk to them, I'm like, you need to go and meditate on the word. And they're like, I don't know what that means to meditate. I know that the Bible says meditate but I don't actually know how to meditate. So I know that I'm speaking to a lot of you that are listening to me today. And I know that this is something by the time we fit, you finish listening to what I have to say, I'm pretty sure the light bulb will be turned on. I'll be like, Oh my goodness. I just feel free because that's exactly how I felt when I came in contact with the teaching on meditation that literally transformed my life. And the first person ever that taught me how to meditate was my pastor, my husband. He wasn't my husband then, but he was my pastor. He was the first person that really broke it down and explained what meditation was and why you need to meditate and exactly how to meditate. And it's something that is very, very strong in his ministry. He teaches it so well that you know that what you're going to be hearing from me today is going to be like meat because I have sat under the ministry of my husband for so many years and it's just, in fact, that meditation thing. Honestly, when I say that, knowing how to meditate transformed my life radically, I'm not exaggerating. So that is why I'm very excited to be able to bring you this teaching on meditation. It literally is the missing link for so many Christians. Being able to take the word, the promises of God, off the pages of the Bible and transferring it into your daily experience, it is meditation that forms that bridge. In fact, the bridge itself is meditation. Okay. So this, I did not record it live for this podcast is a teaching that I did in my super Bonner woman membership. I believe it was sometime last year or the year before that it's a two part series, which I'm going to publish on the super Bonner life podcast over a two week period. So you hear part one today which explains exactly what meditation is and why it is the most important spiritual activity that should be going on in your life frequently, if not daily. And then the second part, we will go to the nitty gritty of exactly how to meditate. You can't skip one and go to the next one. So you need to listen to both episodes and you will see what I'm saying. Literally a few minutes in and you'll be like, allow me, I'm so thankful that you published this episode on meditation or this series, I should say. So I look forward to hearing back from you. I want to know how this has touched you. I want to know your light bulb moments and how you are going to take what you are learning about meditation forward to produce 
fantastic outcomes in your own life. So I look forward to hearing your feedback. Like I said, this is pre-recorded to a live audience, to my super abona women. I hope you enjoyed the teaching and don't forget the part two, the how <laughs> will be published next Monday. So don't miss it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're talking about meditation. I have to repeat all that because I did not press record before. Um, and we are doing a two-part series. The first part is going to focus on what meditation is and why we ought to meditate on the Word of God. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I'll be taking you through the process of how you actually do it. All right. It's all well and good for me to say, yes, you need to meditate. Meditation is as important to you as breathing is as important to your physical body. But do you actually know what to do? So that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. And before I press the record button, I was saying that this is not something mystical, right? Meditation is not something mystical that you, you know, you need to go and study and study and study and study to even understand it. You have been meditating all your life. Meditation is simply taking a thought, a thought, a suggestion that has come through any of your gates, through any of your gates. So when I say gates, I mean your senses. So it could be your eyes, right? It could be, um, I'm talking about the meditation that we've been doing on our lives that we're used to. It could be your ears. It could be um, your, your, what's it called now? Your tongue, you, you eat something and it feels weird or your senses, your body, you feel somehow. So any suggestion comes to your gate and you begin to ruminate. You begin to think about it. You begin to repeat it. You begin to speak words about it. What is happening is you are creating an image and that image will eventually regulate your choices, your decisions. It will regulate your perceptions, the way you see the world, and ultimately it will regulate your actions. So meditation is something that you have been doing with, you know, the flip side of meditation that we're quite used to is worrying. Okay. So we're just going to learn how to shift it this morning, how to turn the tables and begin to take the word of God and intentionally meditate on it so that we can produce more results in our lives. Amen. Okay. So let us get started. And I want you to go to where there is no other scripture that says clearly, even though it does not mention meditation, but makes it as clear as day that we must meditate upon the word of God to be able to see any kind of the power of God in our lives. Mark eleven twenty three. So let's start there this morning. So Mark eleven twenty three. I'm just going to go there. We all know the scripture, <laughs> Mark eleven twenty three. Actually, I'm going to start from twenty. It says, "I'm reading the New Living Translation, and I'll keep switching between translations this morning." It says the next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, so Jesus released words. The disciples noticed it had withered from the root up. Peter remembered Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day, what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, ah, 
Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. He was shocked. He was like, what? How on earth did that happen? Now, Jesus said to his disciples, so when something like that happens, somebody that was able to wield the power of God at will, as in, he could say, fig tree, die. And the fig tree would die. As in, the power of God, everything he said, power of God, whoosh, just backed it up. Compare that with the stones of Skiva. They said, come out. <laughs> and the demons said, who are you talking to? And they beat them up. So that's a, you have to when you see up when you see somebody operating like that where they say something and the power of God backs them up. That is what Jesus was trying to say here. He was saying that listen, it's not because I am special, because the disciples would have concluded that oh he's maybe the Messiah or he's special or there's a special anointing upon his life and as a result of that that anointing is what is really do no 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 jesus didn't say i am specially anointed of god and anything i say is what will happen the reply of jesus teaches us that if you too want to be in a position where you will speak something right you will say sickness cease in the name of jesus where you would speak to a job that you know god says is yours and you say come to me now and the next day, there's a letter waiting for you in your email, right? It says, if you want to operate like that, he teaches us from verse 22, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it would happen and not have no doubt in your heart. Um, I'm going to switch to NKJV. Just bear with me. And then I'll keep reading. NKJV says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Okay. So first of all, Jesus said it has nothing to do with what I said. Yes, I made a command, but people are going around every day issuing all sorts of commands. Yes. So in the name of Jesus, I command this thing to happen and six months we're still waiting for the manifestation of the commandment so it's not about you just walking around and taking in the name of jesus that command in the name of jesus in the name of no 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 the name of jesus is the most powerful weapon on the face of the earth right because all power in heaven and on earth has been given to jesus and at the name of jesus every name must bow but the name of Jesus is no more powerful in the mouth of someone, an atheist, that is cursing as if for Christ's sake. Or Jesus says Jesus Christ. You know how people swear and they use the name. It's no more powerful in the mouth of that person than a Christian who has been a Christian for 40 years and is speaking the name of Jesus into a situation where the image they have of God in that situation is that God can never do it. So it's not, it's not like a badge. It's not like a, oh, congratulations. You are not a Christian. Take the name of Jesus. And anything you say in the name of Jesus will happen. No, no, no. It says you will speak, but it is your faith that gives power to the things you're speaking. So meaning if you don't believe what you are saying, there's no effect. The power of God is only released when what you're saying lines up with the state of your heart so it's a heart and mouth connection 
That's what Jesus was saying. Okay, he says it will be done for him when he does not out, but believes that the things that he say. So when Jesus faced that victory and said, "No man will eat fruit of thee again ever," he believed absolutely in what he said. Now, verse twenty-four is what I want to focus on. He says, "I say unto you, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray." That is what KJV says. So I'm going to switch to KJV. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Let me read that again. It says, what things soever you desire. So can you distinctly see four things here? It says, what things soever you desire. So desire is the first one. It says, by the time you get into the place of prayer, believe, meaning the belief happened before the prayer please stay with me so the first is i have a desire then it says in the place of prayer you should have already believed so next comes belief then next comes prayer and then lastly it says you shall have them meaning the last one is the manifestation now what we are doing as christians and we are not getting results is we are we have the desire. God put the desire that you have a desire to, you know, for your marriage to be this way or for your health or for your work or for your career or for your finances or for your future or for your children, etc. He says you have the desire, but then the belief part, we have not taken the time. That is where meditation comes in. So we are going into the place of prayer with a heart that does not believe. Do you understand? You believe, you always believe something. But do you believe what God has said in that matter? It's a different thing. So it says, desire, you believe. What do you believe? That the things that you're saying, that God said, is going to happen, right? You take that belief into the place of prayer, and then you will have what you have prayed for. But we take the desire, we jump the belief part, we go into prayer and then there's no results and you're saying, God, why is it not working? Why have I prayed and prayed for this thing for so long and it's still not working? Check yourself. When you go into the place of prayer, what do you believe? What do you believe? So when you say, God, in the name of Jesus, I speak favor, you know, into my workplace. Are you holding an image of everybody being against you? Because the words that you're speaking in prayer cannot override your belief. Should I repeat that? Even in the place of prayer, in the presence of God, the words that you are releasing, saying, God, in the name of Jesus, I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what you believe, the image that is imprinted on your heart is absolutely contrary to the words that you're speaking. It will have no effect. That's what Jesus was saying here. Do we need proof? There's proof all over the Bible. There's proof all over the Bible. Classic example. God said to the children of Israel, I have given you the land. I have given you the land. Do you know what they said? They said, no, you want to kill us. That's why you brought us here. So take us back. They said, no, the giants are going to kill us. God kept trying to convince them. He kept trying to convince them. So it got to a point where 
Moses told them off and said, what is wrong with you people? Why are you always behaving like this? Can't you see what God wants to do? And they felt remorseful. They were remorseful. They said, oh, it's true. Maybe we should actually start listening to this God. And in that point, they made a prayer and said, we want to go. But do you know what? The image on their hearts was still exactly the same. And God said, let me tell you something. If you go and try and fight those giants, they will beat you. They will kill you people. I didn't send you right you are going but your image is completely wrong even i will be powerless against the giants in that situation that's a very strong statement to make but it is the absolute truth god is restricted to the image or constrained i should say by the image that a man holds in his heart you might say ah that's not true god can override anything god can do anything he likes that is the kind of thing that is keeping us from being productive as Christians with the word of God. I always give this example. You say, okay, let me give you a counter example. Someone says, okay, what I want God to do is I want God to help me accelerate my career or I want a new job. That's not so hard now. God wants me to have a new job. But the image that the person has and the truth is these things can be so deep because a lot of times desire masks what you really believe so because the desire is there we confuse it and we say but i desire this thing desire is not the end of the matter desire is just the beginning of the matter desire should help you to now begin to say oh, yes i desire this thing but if i ever want to hold it in my hands i have to begin to uncover what do i really believe right what is the image that is imprinted on my heart regarding this thing so someone says i want a job i truly genuinely desire to get a promotion or to get a new job but in their hearts who knows what as a child they may have seen that you know i'll give you a classic a, a, a real example somebody you know one someone that i worked one of my clients she there was this desire god just god was just prompting her to just keep climbing higher in her career the desire was ever present she couldn't shake it off and she was always striving so she would apply she would pray oh baba and but it just seems like she was always hitting a ceiling she was always hitting a ceiling that why i've been praying i really desire this thing i see where god is taking me in fact being a ceo of a multinational is not even just that it's like i desire it but then did you know that this particular lady growing up she saw in her parents marriage how there was a lot of tension every time her mother so her mother was career orientated so every and her father was just maybe had a, like a civil service job and he never really climbed and sometimes would be out of work sometimes you work he was never really that as in the movement in his career was very little but the mother started to fly high in her, in her career she was just like bam 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 and she saw that every time her own perception her own perception that every time that her mother would climb there was always tension they would fight 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 he would throw her things out and say get out of here blah 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 and all sorts of things there was always conflict and she basically as a child in her mind associated it it could have been anything else who knows maybe she was right maybe she was wrong that's not the point 
The point is not whether something is right or wrong. What you believe about it makes it right. So to her, the fact that her mother was climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing was a cause of tension and eventually separation where they were apart for 10, 15 years growing up as a child. So the desire in her was present, but her image basically said, if I go, <laughs> that will be the end of my marriage. Can you see the conflict? The desire. So she was going into prayer with an image that said, God, if you give me this promotion, it would destroy my marriage. That was her image. But her desire was saying, God, I want this promotion. I want this promotion. So what should she have done? That is what meditation will do. So prayer, if you notice that you have been praying, 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 it should not take long. Jesus came to show us the model. It shouldn't take long. It shouldn't take years and years and years for something to turn around in our lives. You have to sit down and say, all oh, this prayer that I'm praying, is it having any effect on renewing my mind? That is why you will notice doing any kind of five-year prayer. I'll say, stop, don't pray general prayers. Don't pray prayers like you're just releasing into the atmosphere as if something will just come and then turn around and hit you in the face as a blessing. No, you have to be specific. You have to image because it is a combination of your desire, your belief, and the prayer that releases the power of God. It's not just your desire and prayer alone. Okay, so let's move on. Let's move on. So desire, belief, which is what do you believe? What is the image in your heart? Because the truth is your image will regulate your life. Well, even though God will pour grace upon that person that wants a promotion, that's, you know, that, is, that has a desire to be CEO of a multinational, right? But because she believes it, she will self-sabotage. She goes into an interview and something inside her would say no. And she'll begin to answer questions in a way that will cause the interviewers to say no, she's not ready. Okay, let's move on. Matthew 13. Let's go to Matthew 13. Thank you, Jesus. I hope this is helping you. Matthew 13, 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. <laughs> Look at this. It's like a treasure that a man discover so when Jesus says things like the kingdom of heaven he's basically saying listen this is how it happens in God's kingdom so if you go read through all the um um what, what are they called gospels go and study on when Jesus is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is as a seed he's saying this is the operating system in God's kingdom it's as such that a man is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement, he hid it and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Or a man, a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls, when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and then he bought it. And what God began to show me is this is the process of faith. 
So this man is on is on a search the same way you're on a search. Say God, I you know you go to God and say God, I just I want you to bring change into my marriage. I want you to effect this change in my life. I just feel like my life has stagnated. Come and show me what I ought to do. And God gives you a word. Yeah, <laughs> God gives you a word, which is a treasure. Listen to me. The, if you get this, honestly, if you get this, you will never be discouraged. Even when symptoms of discouragement satan comes with the daggers you'll be like eh, eh, just go away because i understand the process he said the bible says so this person goes to god and say god now god now uh, and then god gives you what he opens your eyes and he shows you something so this man is on a search he said I, I my life must change i'm not i'm not um happy we've been stagnant like this something has to change he goes searching and then he finds a treasure now i've always wondered i don't understand you find treasure <laughs> why not carry the treasure and just go and carry it and sell it and take the treasure which one is you hide it back then you go and uh, go back to the house and then go and sell everything do you understand i think when you watch all those movies when somebody finds a treasure what do they do they they put in a bag, I mean they put in a truck and they carry the thing and go and do you understand? But God said, No, 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 no. There's no robbery here. Okay? The kingdom of heaven does not operate like that. It says, let me read it to you again. When okay, I've lost my place. Forty four. treasure is hidden in the field he found it he hid it and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys a field you see the bible says you cannot put new wine into old wine skin and when god showed me this he literally set me free forever he, i got to the point where i was like okay god i now know exactly what i need to do so you find that treasure. You are searching, say in prayer, like God, just, you know, this is what I want you to do. And God gives you what he shows you. He gives you a glimpse of what he wants to do in your life. All right. Through the scriptures or through somebody comes and gives you a prophecy, whichever way it comes. Do you understand that? But you don't yet have right of ownership to that thing until what? Until you go and sell everything that you owned in order to buy it there has to be an exchange and what are the things that you owned that you had before that you must sell it is all your beliefs your old beliefs your old traditions all the things that you had been told growing up regarding that matter everything that you had been told so god says to someone that you're going to build a seven seven bedroom house in so let's say the united kingdom debt free and he showed you and he even gave you a scripture to back it up <laughs> you just think this is where the problem is this is where discouragement and people get disenfranchised they just say ah father i thank you remember he receives it with joy oh th th you rejoice and you say thank you jesus oh it's going to happen oh and then you are you start looking you start looking okay i'm waiting for it to happen but god said no 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 there's work to be done like that man, he went back and he went to sell everything. So all the old beliefs. So the person, they have grown up in a place where they say, number one, build a house in this country 
without a mortgage, without lending money. That is what that person believes. So they have to take the word that they have, the motivation of the, of the treasure caused that man to go back. Every time they thought of the treasure, saying, no, 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 I have to keep going. I have to detach myself from every old belief. I have to detach myself because until you do that, I love the fact that Jesus used this analogy. He said he sold everything he owned. Then he had enough money to purchase the field and have access to the treasure. Meaning until you begin to allow the word of God to wash away all the old belief systems, you are not ready to access that thing. And the other thing God showed me is this. He said, however long it takes you do you understand to to the what's how do i say it the manifestation is not dependent on god the manifestation is dependent on however long it takes you to sell everything you have in order to purchase the treasure so if that man lived next door to the treasure meaning his mindset was already quite close to that treasure. He would only take him two minutes to go home, gather everything, maybe another one day to sell everything, he'll go and buy it. But imagine if he lived in a different town or even a different country and he had to travel three months back or six months in those days. First of all, get there and then he will gather everything, then sell it, then travel back. So the farther away you are in your thinking from what God has shown you is what determines how long the manifestation will be. So if that man sat there and started rejoicing and said, ah, look at this treasure. And for the first one year, he was just trying to guard it so that nobody would come and see it. And he doesn't go and sell. Notice that he hasn't even begun the process of what will help him lay hold of that treasure. Which is what we do as Christians. We're like, ah, I just, you know, God has told me that this is what's going to happen. He has shown me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then situations come and then you believe and then you don't believe again. And then, do you understand? Instead of literally taking that word and saying, forget the treasure for now. So we are looking for the manifestation, but we haven't done the work. The man turned his back on the treasure and said, I know what will guarantee me getting this treasure. It's not me sitting and just admiring it and just saying, that's what God told me. That's what God told me. Meanwhile, in that person's mind, they're as far away from that treasure as possible. But they keep saying, God has shown me that, you know, this is what I'm going to have. This one's going to happen, that I'm going to be very rich one day, that this is what's going to happen. You know, I see it in the Bible that he says this is. Meanwhile, if, it, if you basically shine light on what they are thinking throughout the day, they are as far away from what they are saying as possible. What am I saying? I'm saying what God said what he showed me when you find the treasure you do not have automatic rights to access that treasure you must first of all go back eh? and that is what meditation is you begin to exchange right god says my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways so you don't worry about the treasure the bible says that 
the it's an incorruptible seed that is reserved in heaven for you once god opens your eyes to see something it is already yours before you open your eyes to see it he it was already yours right but he can't just hand it to you it doesn't work like that your responsibility is to say ah glory to god i have seen this treasure i know it's going to be mine now let me get to work you go and sell everything all the old beliefs, all the old patterns of thinking, you begin to attack the self-image that is saying you are not the kind of person that will prosper like this. And when that has happened, then you can go and access the treasure, which is what we call manifestation. Let's read just... um, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. I want to show you some examples of what I'm saying. Because you, honestly, if you read the Bible and you study the Bible, God needs cooperation. And it's not lip service. Do you understand? Because he looks on the heart. God's power works in cooperation with a man. His power works in cooperation with human beings the provision has already been made why are you going to Joshua 1 and I tell people that oh but why can't God just do it why can't he just come and you know I've been praying and praying you're praying but be honest with yourself what is the image that you hold regarding that situation is the image you hold the same thing God said Or do you hold a completely different image, negative image, based on what the circumstance looks like? Because until you begin to align what you believe with what God said, his power cannot work on your behalf. And people say, ah, what's that, what's that? Let me, listen, the most important miracle any human being can ever experience in their life is salvation. You agree with me, right? It's salvation. As in, if people die and renounce Christ and say, there's no God, there's no God, the Bible teaches us that they are going to hell, not for two days. It says for all of eternity. Now, even though the provision has been made and they only need to agree and say, yes, Jesus died for me and the power of God will literally come and liberate them, take them, deliver them from the kingdom of darkness and plant them in the kingdom of God. As in, all it takes is, it says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's all it takes. But why are people dying every day and still saying there is no God? If God cannot override for the most important decision, the most important miracle that a person can experience in their life, if God cannot override that and say, what do you mean there's no Christ? If I slap you, my friend... If he if can't override that and force his power to save people, how can he force his power to give you that new job? If you believe that if you enter that new job, it is the end of your marriage, for example. He can't. I mean, every time you are tempted to go into that pity party, God, why is it? Just say, ah, remind yourself that ah, people are dying every day. God has already paid the price. His heart, you know, if God's heart can bleed, 
He's bleeding. Like, ah, but I paid for this person's salvation. But Satan has blinded their minds that they can't come and agree with me and my power will work for them. If God cannot override that, what makes you think? The most important thing on earth, something that is temporary, God, I want a new job that is temporary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Joshua won it. So why is it like that? Why is it that we need to come in agreement? It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day or night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. It says, when you believe it, when you have meditated it on it, then you will observe to be able to do according to what that word is saying. And that's the only way you will have good success. Let me break down that scripture for you. God says, I have given you the law. So in the word. So in Joshua's case, it was the law. Okay. And God said, you have the treasure. But do you know what? You have to go through the place of meditation so that you can actually be on the same frequency when you begin to see as i see in that situation then you begin to behave the way that i would in that situation and that is when the doors will open to you prior to that i can kick and scream but it's not going to happen because what you believe your beliefs or your self-image or what you have believed about that situation will regulate how you see that situation it will regulate your decisions and it will regulate your actions let me read to you joshua chapter uh, not joshua judges chapter six let me let let's see in real time how this process happens in a man's life in the life of gideon judges chapter six and i'm going to read from verse two it says that the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, in the caves, and the strongholds. When the Israelites planted their crops, um, they would come and attack them, etc. Um, let's see. We don't need to read all that. Verse 11. It says, Then the angel, so they cried out. All right, prior to verse 11, they cried out to God and said, God, come and help us now. And God sent a word. He sent an angel. Okay. Now look at this. The angel came and sat beneath the tree, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide grain from the Midianites. What kind of person do you think Gideon was? What do you think was the state of his heart in that, in that moment, in that season? He was hiding away, meaning he saw himself as little. I mean, he didn't wake up one day and say, okay, I'm going to see myself as little in the eyes of the Midianites. No, situations, ev events, um, tragedy, everything, the experiences that he had gone through had taught him that this is who you are. You are subservient to the Midianites. Do you understand? So the word came. God was ready to help. The angel was sitting there. But the image, as a result of what Gideon had gone through, 
was completely different. Why didn't the angel just say, this is what God said. Okay, Gideon, go and do this. Because, now, don't let me answer that question. Let's keep reading. So, his image at that point was telling him, hide away. Okay, you want to eat, go and hide somewhere to thresh wheat or else they will come and see you and they will beat you and they will take your grain. So can you see how what this man believes about himself was regulating his decisions and his actions? Do you see that? Do you see how he was behaving as a result of what he believed? Behavior does not come out of the air. Behavior is simply a byproduct of what you believe. If you believe something, you will act exactly as you believe. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So God basically gave him the treasure and said, Listen, you're a mighty man of valor. That's the word. That's the word. And do you know what we tend to do? Like I said, you see, you go and read, you know, and you see the scripture and God says, mighty man of valor, I will, I will defeat your enemies before you. I will make every crooked path straight, etc., etc." And we receive that word with joy. And what we immediately want to do is go and execute that judgment. Go and make, make it happen on the outside. But it, listen, God documented this to show us the process of meditation. Sir, Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, why has all these things happened to us? Why are all the miracles our ancestors, where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianite. So what was the image of Gideon and the rest of Israel? God has abandoned us. God has handed us over to the Midianites and the Midianites have authority over us. But God showed up and God was saying, listen, you are a mighty man of valor. No, he said, no, I'm not a mighty. The self-image replied and said, no, I'm not a mighty man of valor. I'm, I'm a squirrel in the, sight of, in the sight of the Midianites. They will step on me and they will crush me. If you keep reading, and it's long, but I'll go, I'm going to read part of it. Notice how the Lord just kept reaffirming to Gideon who he was. The Lord turned to him and said, Go with this strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So God ignored everything, all of that. It's the same way an angel will not appear to you. At least I don't think so. Some people have angelic appearance um, things but it's the word so this is a process this is what meditation is so when god shows you that thing listen your desire the gideon want to be rescued and delivered from the hand of the midianites absolutely yes 100 percent. so when he heard he would have been like oh praise god but then something else rose within him and said no it can't be true do you understand so he went back so every time you interact with the word the holy spirit will come and he will show you that thing again even more powerfully <laughs> 15 but lord gideon replied how can i rescue israel my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of manasseh and i am least in my entire tribe again and the lord said to him i will be with you 
and you would destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. 17. Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Notice that he went from, No, it's not possible, to, Okay, okay, if you are really saying, You cannot bypass this process. You cannot with a heart. Gideon, Gideon, even though an angel appeared to you and gave you good news, you cannot with a heart that believes that the Midianites would destroy you, you cannot go into battle because they will indeed destroy you, Gideon. So you have to keep interacting with that word. And as we interact with the word, the word of God is alive. It begins to chisel away all those things, all those old beliefs. Notice as how what Gideon first of all said is now his tune is continuing to change as he's interacting with that word, as he's interacting. All right. All the old beliefs are starting to slip away. and You know, they're being washed away by the word. The word of God is like water. So it keeps washing away to reveal the true identity. It is changing the image. He said, don't go away. So he kept saying, oh, show me, show me this, show me this, show me that. And then eventually in verse 20, he said, I'm going to quickly go home and I'm going to go and prepare an offering. So the angel said to him, he brought it back, placed the meat in verse 20 and the living bread on the rock and poured the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought and the angel of the Lord disappeared when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord he cried out oh sovereign Lord I'm duped I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face it's all right God said don't be afraid you will not die and Gideon built an altar onto the place saying Yahweh Shalom which means the Lord is peace the Lord my peace can you see the journey of Gideon's transformation the journey of Gideon's transformation. Now, this is after that transformation was after it wasn't even fully complete, but he had now come to the point where that aha, from being in torment, tormented in his mind, hiding away to fresh grain so that he could eat, looking like a grasshopper in the eyes of the giant, to the point where he's like, ah, God is truly with me. God is my peace. Now look at verse 25, immediately after that, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, etc., etc. That was the only time that God then began to give Gideon the instructions that would lead to the deliverance of the children of Israel. Why didn't the angel show up in the beginning and say, take the bull, go and do this. Now gather the army, now reduce them to 300, now go and fight. Why didn't God do that from the beginning? Why didn't you just say, mighty man of valor, we are come? No, 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 no. Because you will not even recognize us. You won't even recognize the voice of God. Do you understand? Because the self-image, it regulates how you think. So when God brings an idea, you will look at it and you will rubbish it. It won't click. So the process of meditation, like the man that found the treasure... It's to literally say, aha, at this level, at this frequency of thought, right? The way I'm thinking at the moment, the thoughts of God are much higher. I cannot access them until I renew my mind, until I build a new image. 
Do you understand? So you have to exchange. Gideon went through the process and that was not even the last time he asked for a sign. So to, to, he was now at the level where he could take a bull and go and sacrifice it and, sacrifice it, and God said, tear down the, the altar of Baal. Would the Gideon that the angel showed up to talk to in the beginning have the courage to go and tear down the altar of Baal that the whole town was worshipping at? The man was lily-livered. The circumstances in his life had so much battered his self-image that there was no way he was going to follow that instruction. So through engaging with the word back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, he got to the point where he believed that, ah, God is with me. Then he could actually obey the instruction that God gave him. At the next one, when God was going to give him a higher instruction, which is to now take an army to go and destroy the Midianites, he asked for a sign again. He said, God, can you remind me again that you are with me? So it is not like God is like this wicked person are saying, you must believe me, you must believe me before I do anything. The, 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 the truth is, you will not even, as in you won't move. Do you understand? You will not move until you believe God, until you see at that level. Because the thoughts of God, they, they are foolishness to us. So when the thoughts of God that will bring you into that deliverance begin to come, if your mind is not operating at that frequency, it will be foolish to you and you will discard it. That's why. It's not because God is just like being very, very, you know, narcissistic that it's only my way. Until you see my way, I won't do anything. No. It's the same way until someone acknowledges Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is when the sacrifice that Jesus paid can be beneficial to them. Until the person sees Jesus and says, ah, you paid the price. Then the power of God can then work for them on that, in that area of that and, and save them. Until then, they'll say, which Jesus, how can one person choose that? It's the same thing. All right, let me begin to round up. Let me begin to round up. Um, let us read James 1. So remember this, the reason why the power of God cannot, <laughs> cannot really work for you until you come in alignment is because your thoughts at that point are not his thoughts. So when God begins to give instructions, the same way he said to the children of Israel, I have given you the land, go in and take it. To them, it was foolishness. They were like, go where? <laughs> no, I'm not going. No. I'm going back to Egypt. So they didn't move forward. And even though God was ready, armies of angels were ready. Do you understand? They were ready, waiting there. But they refused to do the instruction. And as a result of that, God could do nothing. James chapter 1, as I round up. 19 and it says is it 19 okay yes um, I'm going to read New King James Version okay um, it says 
I'll start from 21. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So you can see, first of all, what is the word coming to do? The word is not coming to change your situation. The word is coming to save your soul, to transform you in your soul. Because once you, all we need to do is align with God. Once my soul becomes aligned with God, I don't, do you understand? The power just flows. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. That is what we're saying. So it's like the man that found the treasure, right? He finds the treasure, but then he goes off. And he continues interacting with his world. He doesn't sell anything. But then he remembers again, ah, there's a treasure somewhere. And then he travels back. And then looks at it and says, ah, I want this treasure. But then when he leaves... He does not exchange the thoughts for the thoughts of God. That's what happens if meditation does not, if someone, if you don't retain that image of what God is saying about you in your mind, what's going to happen? The person, you will read the scripture, you will see that, ah, this is what God is saying about me. But then when you walk away, person does not retain they don't continue to ruminate on it they don't continue to hold that image allowing it the same way Gideon was interacting with the angel back and forth back and forth and every time he did that he was taking on a new identity as a mighty man of valor what happens is if we are hearers only God says something and you receive it with joy and say, ah, thank God, this is what God is doing. But then you don't retain it. The person goes and says they forget. They immediately forget. And why? What, what's the significance of the fact that they forget? It means that when they go back into their daily life, the self-image that they have kicks in and they begin to make decisions and begin behaving that way and when you begin behaving that way again what happens you get more of the same meanwhile you know that you have a word from god but there's no change in your circumstance because you only fleetingly look at the word and you don't even think about it again it says but 25 he will looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does and do you know the instrument of meditation let's keep reading if any among you thinks is religious so james goes on to qualify that this thing that i'm talking about is actually your tongue so if you think, ah, I'm a doer of the work, I'm a doer of the word, I'm a doer of the word, I'm religious, but bridle not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religious is, religion is useless, meaning no results. So the instrument of meditation is your tongue. So let me see, let me say, let me, let me qualify what I'm saying. So someone prays and say, God, just come and, you know, I receive the words, God do this. And they pray, powerful prayer. But as soon as they leave it, they leave that place, something happens and they immediately say, whatever, contrary. 
all right they have not retained the consciousness of god regarding that situation and as a result of that that word becomes unfruitful i'm going to finish up with second corinthians 10 if you can please go there second corinthians 10 from verse 3 What is meditation and why do we need to meditate? So meditation is simply an exchange of thoughts. Let's use that image of Gideon. So God is not even is not a respecter of persons. He will show he will show up in the life of a man that is living in abject poverty and he'll come and say, Hey billionaire, God does not respect Jesus. I say, Hey billionaire, and they're like, Which are you talking to me? <laughs> the person can't even scrap scrape to two pounds together to eat and you're calling the person god that's how god sees the person so it's by inter there's a constant interaction gideon is a general angel go away go away i'll i'll come back later no there was from the moment he received that word the interaction the interaction so he said no i don't think that is true and then the angel will speak again which is like looking at that word again speaking and watching it yourself and then he, he comes up higher he comes up higher until he gets to the point where bam is that like, yes i believe you and that was when the instructions began to come let's read this as we finish up for though we walk we live as human beings so this is second corinthians 10 um, I'm reading NET. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for the tearing down of strongholds. We tear down arguments. We and every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. This is what meditation does. Do you understand? So the word has been spoken. Now God says, soldier, on your feet. Now go and fight with that word. He said, forget about human weapons, meaning physical things. We try and fight. Once we hear a word from God, what we try to do is we try and begin to fight with physical weapons. Like I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go. And... God said, no, 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 no. Your, 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 your warfare is what is going on in the you have to begin to tear down the strongholds and the images that over time satan has built up inside you that are contrary to what god is saying so he says strongholds he says imaginations you bring every thought to the obedience of christ now look at how this ends in verse 7 i'm going to switch nlt he says look at these things only Sorry, um, no, not seven. Verse six. And after verse six, I'm going to round up now. It says, we are also ready to punish every act of disobedience when your own obedience is complete. So it means that if Gideon had attempted at any point while he was still going back and forth looking at that word and the arguments rising in for you know within him and then the word shoots down that argument and he goes and looks again and is becoming that image is changing if at any point he tries to go and exit you know um what's the word 
punish the disobedience. So it is Satan's disobedience. Satan knows that that person is a billionaire. That's what God said about them. But Satan has so manipulated them and created all sorts of image. So you can't go and cast Satan out of your finances until you yourself have come to the point where you see yourself as a billionaire. Because she says you are not ready to go and say, to go and actually do anything about that situation until your own obedience is complete. So what should you be doing? Just hold fast to that word. Don't worry about anything that is happening on the outside. Because remember, it is like that man that found the treasure. You know, if he worries about it, that ah, will this thing happen? If he's about halfway to the point where he needs to go and sell everything and says, maybe somebody will find it. And then he runs back and sits out and starts looking. He will never get that treasure because what God requires of him is to go and sell everything. to go and exchange all the old ideas. The treasure is waiting. No, Satan cannot steal that thing. Because sometimes we get so like, oh, I need to do something. I need to do something. I need to do something. God said, no, you are not ready to do anything on the outside until your own obedience is complete. And why is that? Let me finish up by reading verse 7. So Paul was the one talking to the Corinthian church. He says, he was telling them, he says, you look at things only on the basis of appearance. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. Let me explain that. So Paul said for somebody whose obedience is not yet complete, who is still carrying around the self-image of poverty, even though God says they're going to be a billionaire and they're saying, oh, I desire, oh, God said I'm going to be a billionaire, but they're doing nothing about their self-image. He's saying that that person will not it says if you are a billionaire in your mind if your self-image is that of a billionaire you will also recognize the activities that will make you a billionaire let me read that to you again it says those who say they belong to christ will recognize that we also belong to christ meaning like attracts like so until you come to the place where you know that I belong to Christ. You will not see other activities in your environment that also belong to Christ. So you will not see activities in your environment that would make you a billionaire until you become a billionaire in your self-image. So Paul was making fun of them. He said, look at you. You say you belong to Christ, but you are only judging based on what is happening in your environment. Why don't you sit down and go through this process and become what God has said inside you? Because when you do, you will just begin to see those opportunities that were always there in your environment. You won't need to cross seven seas and climb a million mountains anymore. You will just look up and say, ah, I didn't even know that this thing was always there. You will do it and bam, the door will open. What is the work? The Bible says labor to enter into rest. That's what meditation is. It is you taking that word back and forth consistently, putting it on your mind, thinking about it, using it as a hammer to break every image that you hold inside you that is contrary to the work, to what God has said. Because as I showed at the beginning of this thing, prayer, and this, I'm not saying this lightly, Prayer is useless in effecting change 
in your circumstance, if you hold a belief or a self-image that is contrary to what you are praying. So if you keep going into the presence of God, I say pray, oh God, you know, in the name of Jesus. But the image that you hold of that thing is absolutely contrary. You are speaking vain words. That's what the Bible says. So what prayer, what you will you notice is in the place of, you notice that God will keep giving you word after word, scripture after scripture. Like God, why are you giving me scripture? I said, come and deal with this situation. You are giving me scripture. Do you know why he's giving you scripture after scripture? Because he needs you to change that image. Because once you change the image, listen, it's like you're just, the river of God carries you effortlessly into it. So what is meditation? It is an exchange of thoughts. It is rewriting your image until it becomes aligned with the image of God. Because when that happens, you stand before the mountain and you say, be removed and be cast into the sea. It will obey you because the mountain is no longer seeing you. The mountain is now seeing God because you are now on the same page as God. Until then, you can shout at the mountain all you like. You can kick the mountain. You can say, mountain, I, I, I say in the name of Jesus, I say you should move, sir. The mountain will just be staring at you. Say, your obedience is not yet complete. Go and go back and sell everything you own. All the old ideas, everything Satan, all the lies you have believed. Go and sell it first. Then, only then can you access this treasure. Okay? I have to stop <laughs> because I have gone way over time. That is what meditation is. Tomorrow, we're now going to go into exactly how you do it. Exactly how you using your tongue. The Bible says that the tongue is the pen of the ready writer. The tongue is what the Holy Spirit uses as his tool to begin to rewrite the things that are written on your heart. He begins to use your tongue as his weapon to chip away at those things. And we will go into that in detail tomorrow. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining. Remember, you find the treasure. You receive it with joy. You're like, ah, God, I so thank you. Desire. Uh -uh. Go and sell. Your work is to go and sell everything you have. Then you have enough to go and buy the treasure. The treasure will not be open to you until you go and sell everything that you have. And the Holy Spirit is with you every step of the way. He's the doer of the work. So he doesn't leave us to it. He's the one that helps us through that process. And we'll talk about the process itself tomorrow. Have a wonderful day, ladies. Have a wonderful evening. And I will see you tomorrow morning as we continue this series. I will see you in the app. This will be immediately available in the app. Thank you.